There we go. Let's Lost stand together. Radio. Let's stand together. Let's take out a red song book and let's turn to number 34 and let's sing. He keeps me singing this morning. Sing the first, second, third, fourth, and uh, no, the first, second, third, and the last. There we go. There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I am with thee. Peace be still. In all of life's ebb and flow. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing. Keeps me singing as I go. All my life was wrecked by sin and strife. Discord filled my heart with pain. Jesus swept across the broken string. Stirred the sovereign chords again. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing. Keeps me singing as I go, feasting on the riches of His grace, resting neath His sheltering wing, always looking on His smiling face. That is why I shout and sing, Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. And the last, soon he's coming back to welcome me, far beyond the starry sky. I shall wing my flight to worlds unknown. I shall reign with him on high. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know Fills my every longing Keeps me singing as I go Amen. And we need to keep a song in our heart as we go about life's way. Amen. Worst thing we can do is ever let our song quit playing. Amen. We ought to be singing unto the Lord all the time. You can't. It's hard to get down when you're singing. It really is. You know, in the hardest times of life, it's often a song that will lift you up. And I've found that to be true. When I, my heart's broken, boy, I can sing, and it's just like it all comes flooding out. And I thank God for, for song. Amen. I praise him for he gave me a song, something to sing. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's good to be with you in church this morning. You got folks coming in the back doors. Do you pray for them? I don't know who that is coming in. Do you all? Oh, that's Donnie and them. Okay. That's Donnie and them. All right. Well, praise the Lord. Prayer request this morning? I have several. Go for it. Uh, one of the women that worked with me, she has had diarrhea all last week. She caught this virus on her dad. Mm. Uh, that there. And her dad, Eddie, he got so sick that that was sure he was having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. But he had dehydrated because he had the virus. That's what son called it by and it made the stimulator go off. They had took him from that pleasure. But they found out that he's going to have to have a new one. Mm. 
and then my ball that fell and hurt his shoulder. Yeah. This week, after on the pavement was slick, and he had went out to move the truck and come back around. I had went out and moved mine, and then I had just went back. When I was going back in, he was coming out. He fell and hit his knee. And he had just went to Dallas Thursday to um, have his shoulder looked at again because he's been like, in his right arm mm. trying to get the infection out of that bone so yeah. that can redo surgery on his arm. So now his knee's messed up too. So just remember him in prayer. Mm-hmm. Hey, a lot of folks are a lot of troubles. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yes. Turn to number 62. I love to tell the story. 
I love to tell the story of Jesus and his love. <laughs> I love to tell the story of unsaved above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story. Because I know this truth, it satisfies my longing, as nothing else can do. I love to tell the story, will be my theme and glory, to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story, more wonderful it seems, than all the golden fancy of all our golden dreams. I love to tell the story, it did so much for me, and that is just the reason. I tell it now to thee, I love to tell the story, will be my theme and glory, to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story, it's pleasant to repeat. What seems each time I tell it, more wonderfully sweet. I love to tell the story, for some have never heard the message of salvation from God's own holy word. I love to tell the story, will be my dream and glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story for those who know it best. Seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the and when in seen the glory, I sing the new, new song. Twill be the old, old story that I have loved so long. I love to tell the story. Twill be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story. Of Jesus and his love. I like what that last verse says there. Those who know it best seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. You know, when we were just, uh, just what was it, about, almost about a month, it wasn't a little over a month ago when, when Brother Leo was here and we were up here on the parking lot, there's a lot of people that were saved. We're sure glad we were out there doing that, wasn't it? It done their heart good to see somebody telling the old, old story. A friend of mine out in North Carolina, Brother James Tester, 
uh, Triad Baptist Church. He he's a he's a wonderful man of God and a good friend of mine. He said they they run five buses. Uh, they just bought their fifth bus and uh, said that they were they were on their way to church a couple weeks ago. And two ladies in a pickup truck pulled up behind them at a stop sign, and one jumped out and ran all the way up to the door of the bus. And she said, here, she handed the bus driver a $100 bill. She said, I'm so glad people are out doing this. You just don't know. Take this and fill this bus up. If people, listen to me, I, I was telling a preacher this the other day uh, when I went to Paris to, uh, to visit with them preachers about doing this cross ministry. I said, you don't understand how... Some people out there, they look out and they don't see the visible church anymore. And they feel as though the church is dead in America. And when they see somebody out doing something for God, it energizes them. It gives them hope. It lights a spark of revival in them. And we've got to be a visible church. If we're an invisible church, we don't serve the body of Christ. We have to be a visible church. And I'm thankful. And I'm thankful that people still love to hear it and love to see people out telling it. Amen. Let's let's look over to the next page, number 63. Sunlight, sunlight in my soul today. <clears throat> That's it. That's where I won. I wandered in the shades of night till Jesus came to me. And with the sunlight of his love did all my darkness free. Oh, sunlight, sunlight in my soul today. Sunlight, sunlight all along the way. Since the Savior found me, took away my sins, I have had the sunlight of His love within. Though clouds may gather in the sky and billows round me roll, however dark the world may be, I've sunlight in my soul. Oh, sunlight, sunlight in my soul today. Sunlight, sunlight all along the way. Since the Savior found me, took away my sin, I have had the sunlight of his love within. While walking in the light of God, I sweet communion by. I press with holy vigor on and leave the world behind. Oh, sunlight, sunlight in my soul today. Sunlight, sunlight all along the way. Since the Savior found me, Took away my sin. I have had the sunlight of his love within. I crossed the wide extended fields. I journey o'er the plain. And in the sunlight of his love, I reap the golden grain. Oh, sunlight, sunlight in my soul today. Sunlight, sunlight all along the way. Since the Savior found me, took away my sin. I have had the sunlight of his love within. Soon I shall see him as he is, the light that came to me. Behold the brightness of his face throughout eternity. Oh, sunlight, sunlight in my soul today. Sunlight, sunlight all along the way. Since the Savior found me, took away my sin. I have had the sunlight of his love within. Amen. Turn to 58. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. He passed over those Hebrews' homes in Egypt the night the death angel came through, and he'll pass over you if you're covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. He will not visit our sins. Amen. 
Christ, thy Redeemer, died on the cross, died for the sinner, paid all his due. All who receive all need never fear. Yes, he will pass, will pass over you. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. Jesus, the sinner, Jesus can save. As he has promised, so will he do. Oh, sinner, hear him. Trust in his word, then he will pass, will pass over you. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. Judge, all will be. Mama's 
trying to learn and not still hold on to life's vanity and pride. I don't know about you, but I've come to rely on the rock of my soul, the way the dreams alive. My loved ones pray and my mama's tears. He never left me any way to patiently. When you ask me how I'm doing, I'm blessed because Jesus calls me. Yes, when you ask me how I'm doing, I'm blessed. Oh, Jesus, whoa. There have been times along this journey. We'll praise God. He'll walk with you. Amen. God will walk with you if you walk with him. Amen. God is not hard to find. God's not hard to get a hold of. And God's not hard to get along with, amen, because he's always right, praise God, and he'll never lead you the wrong way, ever, amen. <clears throat> I know you know all these things, but it sure is good to say them and hear myself say it, amen, because I know who I serve, praise God. And it's good to be with you in church this morning, and I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18, <clears throat> as I was telling earlier this morning, I drove to Texarkana Friday night and uh, went to the Four States Fair. And uh, I didn't go because I wanted to ride rides or I wanted to eat some lousy fair food. I went because I wanted to see my friend Leo Lytle, who was over there with uh, two or three different churches in Texarkana that had ganged up to uh, go out to the Four States Fair and give out those crosses and witness to people. And uh, he told me uh, that they had been there for just a couple of hours and they'd seen 12 people trust Christ as their Savior. I know we when we walked into the fair there were people there were people walking out. I mean there were people carrying crosses everywhere. And that was the sight to behold. And then we rounded the corner and uh and then we saw a fight break out. It was a it was a it was a Mexican fella and a black fella that got in the I think they were fellow was black, I couldn't really tell it was in the distance. But I noticed something. They one of them threw his cross down the middle of the street and went to fighting. <laughs> I said, at least, at least they wasn't swinging crosses at one another. Amen. <laughs> that was the only caveat there. But it beat all I ever seen. He dropped his cross and went to fighting. Amen. But anyway, uh, praise God. It was We had a good time, and it's sure good to see Leo, and, and uh, I'm going to get to see him again. He's going to be over in Paris, I want to say the 24th, I think he said, of this month. And uh, he's going to be training those pastors over in Paris to go out and do this ministry in seven churches, seven churches on a Saturday. And I'm not sure exactly what Saturday it is, but in Paris, seven churches are going. Each one will have their own place in town where they're at, and they'll all have those crosses, and they'll all be giving them out on the same day in Paris. So everywhere you go in Paris, you're going to see crosses on that Saturday, and that's an awesome thing in a city of nearly 30,000 people to see people all over that town. That's going to energize people in Paris, Texas. And uh, I built eight of them myself yesterday, just out in my shop. And uh, I'm going to try to keep building them as I can and then and maybe once a month get out here in either Clarksville and do it here in Clarksville or maybe go over to Bogota or drive over to Avery or Anona, somewhere in the area and and, uh, and give those crosses out. Let people know, hey, we're doing something here. 
we're not just sitting here like a bump on a log waiting on Jesus to come. We're doing something. Amen. And I want to win people into the kingdom of God. Let's look in the Bible this morning. Amen. We're glad you're tuning in if you're watching us on the Internet. And uh, ask the Lord to bless you and ask the Lord to bless you here this morning. And uh, so I hope you'll, I hope you'll, you'll separate your thoughts from everything else going on in your world. We've got tons of problems and issues and all kinds of things happening. But right now, let's just shut all that down. And let's just give God our undivided attention. Let's go to the Word of God. We're going to read verses 1 through 11 in the Scripture, and let's read chapter 18 of Acts. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy, with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. because he was, And because he was... Of the same craft he abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when, and when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood... Be upon your own heads, for I am clean. From henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God and whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak. And hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, I come before you this morning, and Lord, I just I just greatly feel my need of you. Lord God, I pray this morning that, Lord, that, I'd not lean on my flesh at all. I'd not lean on my own thoughts and wisdom at all. But, Lord, that I'd yield myself wholly and completely to you. Lord, I want you to take over. Use this vessel, Lord. I pray you'd cleanse me, Lord. Not let anything hinder the message this morning. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me and fill me with your spirit. Holy Ghost of God, you're welcome to take over. You're welcome to speak through this vessel. Oh, I pray you use me this morning. Lord, I don't want to stand up here and preach if I can't stand up and preach with your power. Lord God, please, pour out your power. We need you in this hour we're living in. This world needs Jesus. This world needs you, Father. Please, Lord, do something in our midst today. Lord, we look for you too, and we ask you to now. We ask you in the name of Jesus, and for his sake we ask you. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, it's it's good. Like I said, it's good to be in God's house. It's always good to be in God's house. And I'm glad to be back in the Book of Acts. Amen. And and I tell you, I, there's so much here. There's just so much here. And, and there's so much here because the Holy Ghost of God is is manifesting in the lives of believers. He, it, God is working through believers to achieve His purposes. It's not Paul the apostle who's doing these things. It's not Timotheus. It's it's not Silas. It's not Luke. It's, it's the Lord Jesus doing this through the person, the third part of the Trinity, the Holy Ghost, 
Jesus said, if I go away, I'll send you another comforter. He's exactly, exactly, exactly like Jesus. Amen? He doesn't do anything independent of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Everything he does is to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. So the things that we see are happening in the lives of Paul and, 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 and Timothy and, and uh, Silas and Luke, they're happening because that's, that's what God is doing. It's not them. Paul is just an instrument in his hand, and Paul is willing to go and to do whatever, whenever, wherever, as long as the Lord's leading him. I'd say Paul is completely consecrated to God. I'd say completely. There'll be times when Paul's going to get a little honor and do things his way, but he's human like the rest of us. But Paul sold out to God. Paul's ready to do whatever God would have him to do. So uh, as we look here, I want to let's look on our map. And again, they left out. When he left out on his trip, he left out over here. And he went all the way across. He went all the way across Asia Minor here, all and until he got over here to uh, Troas, and he made this trip across these islands in Neapolis and Philippi, and then he's come over here to, to uh, Berea, and uh, and then he's gone to uh, God, he's running on that Corinth. He's coming out here to Corinth. That's Athens. He came out here to Corinth. So he's here now. And he's going to travel a long way from Houston. Now, you ought to remember, he ain't got no car. He ain't got no horse. He got his feet. He walked a long way, wouldn't you say? Just that alone. Just, just me say, God, for you, I will walk from here to here. That's a big statement right there in itself. But God, not only will I walk that far, God, I'll take beatings. I'll be killed on the way and resurrected. Amen. Everywhere I go, I'll have people hating me and chasing me. Now, how does a man do that? How does a man get up day after day and keep going, knowing that everywhere he goes, he's going to be berated, persecuted, and, and, and harassed? I'll tell you how he does that. He doesn't do it in his own strength. He doesn't do it in his own reasoning and in his own mind. He does it in the mind of Christ, and he does it in the strength and the power of the Lord. And that's how you and me are going to get through 2022. That's how me and you are going to make it through the rest of this life. The same way Paul made it every single day, in the power of the Holy Ghost. That's how we're going to make it, and that's how, if we're going to thrive, that's the only way we're going to thrive. Amen? So let's look at it this morning. We'll get into the Word of God and see what we can glean from this. This is not one of those power-packed chapters in the Bible, I admit. But you know what? We can find something in here that we can get from it. Amen? So as we look at it, the Bible said, actually, St. Paul departed from Athens, and we were here last week in Athens. We talked about Athens, and you remember it was a city wholly given to idolatry. Everywhere he turned, he saw a statue or an image or a symbol or something. Everywhere in that city, people were, were completely about idolatry. And again, it is just nothing more than a continuation of the Babylonian cult where the idolatry started this entire Bible, and it's just represented in, in uh, Athens in that, in that manner, in every form of of way that you could portray an idol, it was portrayed there. And not only that, remember they had a they had an altar to the unknown God. Paul looked at that and he seized upon that idea and he said, "Let me tell you about this one that you like. You got everybody else, but this one that you 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 said, well, in case there's one more and we don't know about him, well, let's make him an altar." And God and Paul said, "Well, I know it." Just so happens I know this one that y'all don't know, and I'm gonna tell you all about him. Amen. And he preached to them there. Amen. Matter of fact, they, they, they preached and they, they said, hey, 
you know, we want to get everybody to hear you and find out what it is you're talking about because we ain't never heard this before. So they took him up to Areopagus and Mars Hill up on that out, rock outcropping, and they let him get his spell. And the Bible said that some believe, but, but some of them mocked him too. And Paul realized that he's not going to get very far in this city. There's not a whole lot of people who are believing. There's not a whole lot who are latching on to what he's teaching. And so rather than and stay there and just continue and continue and continue, Paul left. Amen? It doesn't say in the scriptures that, 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 that Paul, uh, you know, he got some big sign that he left. doesn't say that at all. doesn't say that Paul got a vision where God told him to leave. It just says Paul departed after these things. So Paul went to Corinth after that. It tells us that in the second part of that verse. But I got a question for you. How does Paul know what God's will is? How does Paul know where to go? How does Paul know he's going to the right place? What's all of that? I can tell you, I think I know how Paul knows that. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 5. Paul says it himself in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. He says, see then that you walk circumspectly. And I, I know I've shared this verse and I broke it down, but I'm going to break it down again because if folks in here wasn't in here that night, I broke it down. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So how does he do it? He says, well, first of all, he said you need to see that you walk circumspectly. Circumspectly, you're breaking that word down into two parts, circumspectly. Okay, circum, we get circumcircumference from the circle. Okay, inspectly from spectacles. Okay, to see. So Paul's talking about seeing in a circle. See then as you walk, seeing in a circle. What does that mean? Pay attention to what's going on around you. See that you walk aware of your surroundings. See that you walk in a frame of mind where you're not just zoned out and you're not even paying attention to what's going on around you. He says that's one way, one thing that will help you see God's will is to pay attention and not just be mindless. See that you pay attention to what's going on around you. He said, not as fools, because people who walk through life mindlessly are walking foolishly, because, number one, the devil is he's, he's walking about seeking who he may devour. And if you're walking around mindlessly, you're pretty, you're pretty easy praying to the devil. Amen? That makes sense to you? All right, so he said, he said, not as fools, but as wise. And then the next statement he says, redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. When you, when, you, uh, when you redeem a coupon, what do you do? Somebody tell me what happens when you redeem a coupon. You get what? You get the, the value of the coupon. You're getting the value out of it, okay? So God says redeeming the time. So he's saying, look at your time as valuable and use it as valuable. Okay? Pay attention to what's going around you. Realize your time is valuable, and he says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We are in, we're in desperately evil times that we live in in America, and the time is short. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but that calendar passes pretty quick these days. It seems like it's faster than it used to be. So as believers, we need to wake up and realize that the time is short, and we need to pay attention to what's going on around us, and we need to make the most of every day. Somebody said, if you want to be the man of the hour, We'll make every minute count. Amen? That's how you be the man of the hour or the woman of the hour. You make every minute count. You redeem the time. You get the value out of the time. You don't waste the time. 
And Paul wasn't wasting time. And he says, therefore be you not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Well, what is the will of the Lord? The, the, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So Paul, what's Paul going to do to be in God's will? Well, first of all, he's not going to waste his time on foolish thoughts. Amen. He's going to look around at what's around him, and that's people. That's lost sinners all around him. And he's going to make the very most of the time, and he's going to try to win these people to Jesus. So wherever there's lost sinners who are willing to listen, that's where the will of God is going to lead Paul. Amen? That's pretty simple, isn't it? It ain't complicated. Amen? He wants to do the very most he can with for Jesus while he's here, and the very best place to do that is where all sinners are that will hear it. Not rocket science. Will of God's not hard. It's quit being selfish and do what God wants you to do. It's simple. Amen? I know that sounds, that, that don't sound as nice as the way I said it earlier, but hey, just quit being selfish and do what God wants you to do. Amen? But, uh, but anyway, that's 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 what he did. He so 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 Paul comes down to Corinth, and here in Corinth, they are eat up with sin. They are eat up with sin, but it's not the same kind as in Athens. There's gross immorality in Corinth. You say, well, what kind of gross immorality is in Corinth? Well, the temple of Aphrodite is in Corinth. I mentioned this uh, maybe last week or the week before. The temple of Aphrodite, the goddess of love, the Greek goddess of love, they say, it was a pagan temple where they worshipped, but this temple was full of prostitutes, male and female. Male and female. And you need to realize that in ancient Greece, homosexuality was very rampant. So there were men going to the temple for men. There were men going there for women. There were people, it was just, it was, it was a house of ill repute. I'll put it that way. That's a nice way of saying it. But yet it, it also doubled as a house of worship. So you have to understand, that's going on in people's lives on an ordinary basis. Okay? Just like people here go to the grocery store. Well, they were going to the temple and doing what they did. And, and Paul came upon that in this city, and he saw this stuff going on. And, you know, he's looking at the Paul, – Paul's gathering together his idea of, of – God sent him to the Gentiles, okay? Paul had been a Jew. He had been separated from these people all his life. Paul is getting a crash course on how vile and how, how heathenistic these people are. So, like I said, he walked around Athens looking, and his heart was just – he was just – what, what did the Bible say? I want to read it to make sure I get it just exactly right, what he said. But uh, – he was, he, he was, uh, his spirit was stirred in him, is what the Bible says. It, it affected him physically, seeing these people given over to adultery. Everywhere they turned, and he saw how they worshipped. And then he goes down to Corinth, and he sees what they're doing there. And, and, I, and, and it was from Corinth that he wrote his letter to Rome. And I want you to look over in Romans. It's right over there. It's just, right, just a couple pages over. I want you to look at Romans chapter 1. He's in, he's in Corinth as he writes this letter to Rome, okay? It's from this year and a half that he spends in Corinth when he writes this letter. Now listen to what he says here. We'll begin in verse 18 down to the end of the chapter. Listen to what he says. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. You know, those Jews living amongst those heathen there, they held the truth, even though they didn't have the truth in Christ Jesus, they had the truth of God, yet they held it all right, right around in all of that wickedness. 
They had the truth right there in their laps, but they ignored it. He said, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. God, God, give, God gives us the innate knowledge that he's God. Amen. You know, people living in the darkest jungles, they know there's a God. They just don't know who he is. He said, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. That sounds like a lot of people today. It really does. And they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man. So if he's seeing those statues in Athens, he said, look at it. They're worshiping men. They've got these marble statues of men. He said, they're worshiping creatures like unto men. And he said, and the birds, and the four-footed beasts and creeping things, he'd seen all those idols. And he said, wherefore God gave them up to the uncleanness through the lust of their own heart to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. That's what happens when a person, gets a, when a person goes off and, and ignores God and turns from God and begins to worship idols and things of that nature. Uh, listen, all the lustly, fleshly desires just come rushing forth. And you say, well, hey, you know, my, my little idol don't tell me not to fornicate. My little idol doesn't tell me not to commit sodomy. My little idol doesn't tell me just stay away from the lust of the flesh. So I'll just do what I want to. And that's what they were doing. That's what they were caught up in. The Bible says, hey, they changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, because they did that, God gave them up unto vile affections. Vile, he says. It ain't love, it's vile. Amen? I said it, when it's between two women, it ain't love, it's vile. When it's between men, it's vile. Here we go. For even the women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of the error which was made. In other words, getting what they deserved from it. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, they didn't want to think about God. God gave them over to a reprobate mind where they're filthy always in their thoughts to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection. That's how a woman would stand there and say, I had an abortion and I loved it. They're without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. They sit back and they cheer for those that do. 
they stand on the sidelines at the gay parades and they cheer for their family members. They stand outside the abortion clinics and they cheer for those that, ab- that abort their babies. They get on television and they do it. That's going on today, but it was going on in Paul's day. It just didn't have a television set. People everywhere he turned and looked in Athens were given to idolatry. People everywhere he turned and looked in Corinth were given over to sexual for, uh, uh, sin. And so <clears throat> he writes a letter to, to Rome from Corinth telling them uh, his view of what, of what the Gentiles were. But thank, I'm going to tell you something. God's good. God is so good. In the midst of all of that, in Corinth, you know what? God, God, is take, God will take care of a man to serve God. God will take care of a woman to serve God. He will. You know what? All this trouble he's been through, and he shows up down here in Corinth. It looks like he's going to have trouble everywhere he goes, but he gets down here, and guess what? He finds a friend. God sends a friend. And I think it's amazing. Because you know what? I don't read of I don't I don't this man Aquila and his wife Priscilla. I don't read in the Bible where they got saved. God doesn't give us their conversion. I don't know. It, 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 Paul didn't lead them to Christ. They were already saved when he came to him. They came from Rome. They had lived in Rome. The Bible says that 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 they they had recently or lately come from Italy because it, with his wife Priscilla because that Claudius that's Claudius Caesar had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome, and he came to them. You've got to understand something about, the, about Rome. Rome hates the Jews. Rome has always hated the Jews. They hated the Jews in the first century, and even today they hate the Jews. Uh, it was the Roman Catholic Church that was behind Hitler when he, when he, when he murdered six million Jews. It, it was, it's the Roman Catholic Church who, who uh, practice the doctrine of replacement theology whereby they believe and they claim that they have replaced Israel in God's eyes. That, that, God, that God has completely done with Israel and they have replaced him. And all the promises that God made in the Old Testament to Israel are now transferred to the Roman Catholic Church. So there's always been a hatred to the Jews. And so, and so for... Caesar to kick them out of Rome is no is no st- uh, no hill for me to to see because I mean that, that that's that's obvious he wanted them out of there if you hated them and they came down there and they wound up in in Corinth and the Bible said because he was of the same craft he abode with them and wrought for by their occupation they were tent makers you know and that's another thing that's interesting to me Paul was raised up he was raised up in in school learning the scriptures Paul was groomed to be a, a, uh, a teacher of the law. He was, he was groomed to be a, a part of the Sanhedrin. Paul was one of the most brilliant students they had. But at the same time, I want you to notice what the Jews do. They don't only teach them how to be successful and, and all that, but they also made those boys learn a trade. He was taught tent-making along the way. Amen. We ought to all, we ought to all uh, be able to work. Uh, amen, and do something to support ourselves if we're going to work for the Lord because I guarantee you, this day and time ain't, uh, and I'm talking to preachers. I'm talking to all that want to be a servant of God. You better be able to do something besides preach because there's going to come a day when there won't be no money to pay you to preach. So you better be able to do something along the way. Paul didn't, Paul, Paul you know what? God took care of Paul. Paul could have, uh, Paul could have uh, turned to, to churches and said, hey, I need help. Y'all support me. But know what did he do? He, he labored because he loved the Lord. 
and he was happy to he was happy to set up a little shop making tents. He was a he was a leather man. He worked and in, in, in made tents. So uh, let's keep looking here. Verse four, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks, just as he had everywhere else he'd gone to the Jew first. He went down to the synagogue and he preached to them there. Amen. And and the Bible said that he that he reasoned. He reasoned. That that didn't mean that he got up and he just told them, said, Look, Jesus is the Christ. You accept him or you go to hell. That ain't what he did. Paul gave them argument after argument after argument from their own scriptures that Christ is the Messiah. He reasoned, the Bible said. That means to speak to and fro. He said something, and he gave them a chance to say something. He wanted them to come. He didn't want them to believe it just because he said it. He wanted them to see it for themselves. Amen? Listen, and when you're telling somebody about Jesus, you don't want them to believe it just because you said it. You want them to see it for themselves. Amen? we got to come to people on their level. Paul was willing to have a, a, a civil discourse with people he knew were wrong. He wanted to, them to know that he cared what uh, that, that he cared about them. They, he didn't. They didn't. He didn't want them to see him as just somebody barking stuff to them. He reasoned with them, and the Bible said, and he he, he persuaded them. He won them with his words. Amen. And the things that he said, they they couldn't refute them. They couldn't dispute them. He gave them truth out of the Word of God. And folks, that's the great thing about this this ministry. You and I, we don't have to worry about giving somebody something that maybe ain't right. We've got the right gospel. We've got the right truth. Amen. You can't mess it up if you just tell it straight. Amen. There's no way for you to to muddy it up if you just tell what God has said. Amen. It ain't complicated. It don't take a degree. You know why God made it simple? Because he wanted everybody to do it. Amen. He doesn't. It, it doesn't require a preacher. I mean, a pastor. It doesn't require a Sunday school teacher. It just requires somebody saved and has a heart not to see people die and go to hell. The Bible said he persuaded them. He preached to them. Verse five. The Bible said, and when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. So what's the difference between him reasoning and persuading and what it says here in verse 5? Well, it says here he was pressed in the Spirit. I, I, I got to thinking about that. It reminded me of what Jeremiah said. I tried to forbear, but when I tried to hold back, it was, he was like a, it was like a fire shut up in my bones, and I couldn't. It was burning inside of me. Amen? Paul was waiting on, on Silas and Timothy. So why was he waiting on Silas and Timothy? Because the Bible tells us, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. So he's quoting, he's quoting, uh, that he'd be going off of Deuteronomy chapter 19, verses 15, 18, and 19, which describes that, that, that we ought to have somebody with us to agree with us. We ought, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, somebody could be, could be sentenced to death. Not one person could stand up and anybody just believe him. They had to have witnesses. And so that's why Paul's waiting on Timothy. That's why Paul's waiting on Silas, because when there are others there with him, his testimony has even more power. I believe that's why God sent us out two by two. Not just for our own protection, but so, hey, it ain't just one guy saying it. Both these guys believe this. 
So he, he, he reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, and then he, he got pressed in his spirit. He was pressed, amen? It's like it was, it was forced out of him, like he, he couldn't hold it in. It, it had a hold on him, and he had to do something with it, amen? He was pressed in his spirit. Amen? I pray to God we'd all get pressed in our spirit. Pray to God we'd all get pressed over the things that we see around us. We get used to it, folks. I tell you something, our heart's desire ought to be that God would tear away the callousness, the jadedness from our hearts. We see so much wrong, we see so much evil on a daily basis that we get numb to it, and we just kind of get used to it. I've never fought in combat. I've never been overseas. I've never, I mean, fighting in combat, never took up a gun against anybody. But I dare say a man who does that tour after tour after tour will eventually get used to seeing people die. You can get used to anything. You watch enough, you watch enough violence on TV, you get numb to it. People, people that are around filth all the time, they get numb to it. I dare say, uh, you know, there, there are people who are who are in all kinds of, of, of terrible businesses because they've gotten numb to the sin that they're promoting. Folks, we need to get pressed in our spirit. We need, we need to pray that God will, will reveal the tender places in us again. Because we need, we need Christians who are tender in this hour. We don't need Christians that are jaded and hard and callous. We need to have that fire burning in us that says, I can't just sit by and let everybody die and go to hell. I've got to do something. Now, maybe I can't win the world, but I can win one or two and keep them out of hell. Surely we can do something for God. And Paul was pressed, and Paul started testifying to the Jews. He is the Christ. He was preaching the who gospel, wasn't he? He's preaching to them who Jesus was. You've got to see as the Messiah. He is your Messiah. But they rejected him. Verse 6. The Bible says when they opposed themselves and blasphemed. You know how you oppose yourself? You oppose yourself when the truth is the truth, and you can see the truth, but you don't want to line up with the truth, so you argue against the truth. That happens on the news in America every night. Did y'all know that? You've got talking heads who know they're wrong, but they'll argue their lie like it's the truth. That's exactly what was going on. These Jews, they could see that Paul's got something there, that Paul's pointing, pointing to something that they need to pay attention to, but if they did that, they would lose their power, their position, their prestige, and they said, uh-uh, eternal life ain't worth all that. That's exactly what they were saying in their hearts. Eternal life ain't worth all that for us to lose all this and have to humble ourselves and get down off our high horse and quit controlling the people. And so the Bible says they opposed themselves and they blasphemed. How did they blaspheme? You know what I believe they did? I believe they said, and you're up here preaching this, this story about this illegitimate child who's supposed to be the son of God. I'm, I, you know, they, 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 they literally called Jesus. They literally called, I hate to say the word, but they literally called him a bastard. The Jews did. And these Jews are, I believe they're, re, they're re, rehearsing the same old thing. Here you are, trying to, that, that woman didn't even know who that baby's daddy was, and you're up trying to tell us he's the savior of the world. Get out of here with that garbage. That'd be discouraging, wouldn't it? 
You know what Paul did? Paul took his outer clothes off and he just shook all the dirt right there. Shook a dirt cloud out in their synagogue and said, you know what? It'll be on your head. Your blood will be on your own head. That's what he said. Amen. Look at it. He said, your blood be upon your own head. Amen. I'm clean. You're responsible for your own sins. You're responsible for your own actions, and you're going to suffer for them. I'm saying years ago, I got so mad in Paris. I was out trying to win people to Jesus. I'm out knocking doors, going down the street, and I probably shouldn't have done it. And I'm going to tell you, I got up on a door, and I'm knocking on that door, and that guy opened the door, and I told him where I was from, what I was doing, and he cussed me, and he told me, I don't want that Jesus junk. Get off my get out of my yard, and don't come back. And I turned around and I said, well, just go to hell then. Maybe I shouldn't have done it that way. But he was talking ugly about my Savior, and I didn't like it. He was blaspheming my Savior, and I didn't like it. Paul didn't like it either, and he just shook. That was a sign to them. Hey, they knew what that meant. He's saying, your blood will be on your own head. You're going to pay for it. You'll pay for your sins. I'm clean. I don't have any more guilt. I've told you. Amen. I don't feel any more guilt over Paris, Texas. I told Paris, Texas for many years. For over 15 years, I labored over there, and I told them folks in Paris, Texas, I walked up and down them streets and knocked on them doors. I preached from the pulpit, and I got on the television station and broadcasted all over the county. Why? Because I didn't want to have their blood on my hands. That's why we do what we do. We don't want the blood of these people on our hands around us. You might say, Paul is from here. Paul, the people over here's blood is going to be on his hands because God called him to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that's why his, their blood will be on his hands, even though he could have never even knew them. Wherever God takes you, that's where you're responsible for He said, I'm clean. He got so mad at him. He, look here, he hauled off and he said this. He said, he said, I'm clean and from henceforth I go to the Gentiles. I'm done with you. Some say, well, I think he acted a little bit rash there. Some say, well, that's the point. That's the point in time in Paul's ministry where he completely changed the Gentiles. No, that's not true. That's not true. Down in verse 19, about said he came to Ephesus and left them there, but he himself entered into the synagogue. So he wasn't through with the Gentiles. He wasn't through with the Jews. But at that moment he was, and in Corinth he was, he was done. They had done blasphemy Jesus. They had done, they cursed him, and they said, I'm done with you. So he went to those who would hear. And the Bible said, and he departed thence, and he entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God. And I look at the next line, and whose house joined hard to the synagogue. Do you know what that means? That means look here. Here was Justice's living room, and here was the synagogue on the other side of the wall. It was a brick wall between his house and the synagogue. Let me tell you something. That's God's grace. That's God's grace. God's grace. Listen, he had, they had done come to an argument. He had done, told them, I'm true with you, I'm taking the dust off of my clothes, I'm pronouncing the curse is on you. And then he went right next door and set up shop for you. 
what my parents said. I'm trying to say, don't be afraid of what people say. Don't be afraid of what people say. And don't be afraid of what people do. You, you serve the God of heaven. You serve the God of all there is. You're his child. He loves you. He knows everything about you. He's got you right where he wants you. And he, he's in firm control of your life. And he's able, he's, listen, he's able to fill you with the spirit and the power of his son Jesus to get this message of the gospel to a lost and dying world and see tremendous things happen through you, not because of you, but because of you. There's no reason for us to be afraid. There's no reason for us to be timid. There's no reason for us to be shy. And there's no reason for us to delay. The Bible said in Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. It wasn't all bad. No, it wasn't all bad. I mean, the, the main guy in the synagogue next door got saved. He said, praise God, hallelujah. I mean, the whole world's going to chase. Oh, no, it didn't chase the world. One preacher, One priest got saved. But I just look at how Paul, the guts he had. I look at, I look at what God can do, what God can, can give you, the boldness he can give you, the lack of fear over what's going to happen next. You know, we sit and wring our hands worried about what's going to happen, how, how we're going to do this, how we're going to do that. God's got it all planned out. God can provide. I mean, what, Paul needed a friend. What did, Paul, what did God do? God sent, him, God sent him Aquila and his wife Priscilla who were already saved. He didn't even have to do the work. Send them down there. They're tent makers just like him, so he's got somebody not only to fellowship with, but to work alongside and fellowship with as he works. And then he puts him next door to the synagogue with the priest who got saved. Tell me we don't have a good God. One little man. One little old preacher amongst a world full of heat, and God's just carving him a path. God's carving him a path. Many hearing, many believing. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by vision. Oh, if it weren't enough, if it weren't enough that God does all that, then God's going to give him a message. Amen. Then the Lord spake to Paul in the night by vision. Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee. Amen. Hey, listen to me. He told me and you that too, didn't he? Behold, I'm with you all the way, even to the end of the world. Didn't he promise that? Amen. He said, I'm with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. I have much people in this city. Paul didn't know that. Paul didn't know how many Christians were there. But God says, i got plenty of people here. Put your root down, son. Get to preaching. Get to preaching. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. It's amazing when God gets you in the right place. See, I don't say I wouldn't say that Athens was the wrong place. Even though even though he went there and didn't have any success. I wouldn't say that God sent him to the wrong place. I'd say God sent him there to prepare him. I'd say God sent him there to see how wicked these Gentiles were. And then when he came to Corinth to see how wicked these Gentiles were. And why did he do all that? To stir him up, to get his motor revved up as high as he could. So when he turned him on, he'd be ready to run. I'll tell you something, you and I, we need to look around at this filth around us, and instead of causing us to be grieved and, 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 and say, oh, it's too, the world's gone and it's too late, 
We need to look up and say, it ain't no worse today than it was when Paul was there. So let's get busy. And let's see some souls saved. And let's start winning some families of the Lord and bringing them into this church. And let's see this thing grow for God. Amen? Amen. I didn't come here to pastor to watch church die. I came here to pastor to watch church grow. And we got we got to be busy if we're going to see it grow. Amen? Every day. Not, don't, you ain't got to go out of your way. You ain't got to go out of your way. You ain't got to make no special trips around town knocking doors and, and all that. Just everywhere you go, be conscious. Somebody... Somebody needs Jesus. When God puts me in front of them, I'll know it. If I'm looking, if I'm if, if I'm expecting, if I if I'm if I'm if I'm really desiring to serve God, I'll be talking to him about it. And it'll be obvious to me when it happens. I want I just want I just want to remind you, the same Holy Ghost that worked with Paul in Corinth, in Athens, in Berea, all those places, is working with me and you. Same one working with me and you in River Virginia. Same God. Same Holy Ghost. Same salvation. Same power. Here. Difference between me and you and Paul? Paul was ready to go. We got to get ready to go. Let's stand there. Father in heaven, Lord, I just ask you to bless the invitation. Father, as we Get ready to sing here in just a moment. I pray, Father, that you worked in hearts. Lord, I pray, Father, for each and every one that's heard the message, whether they be in the room with us or whether they be in a different place. Father, you know you can do a work. You can touch hearts and lives no matter where they are. And, Father God, I pray right now, Lord, as we get ready to sing the song of invitation, Holy Ghost of God, you work in the hearts of your people. Father, help us to realize the lateness of the hour. Help us to realize the urgency of the message you get out. Lord, I pray you'll help us to put our hand to the, to the plow and, and go work. Father, please, work in our midst, Father. We're working us today. And we'll give you all the glory and praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. 377, am I right, sir? 377? I don't have it on paper. Okay. Yes, 377. Where he leads me, I will follow. I will
Well, to agree to go with him all the way, that that's even in places where sometimes you ain't too sure about it. But God won't ever lead you where he can't keep you. He won't ever lead you where he can't use you. Amen. Even even in times when we think he's not working, God's still working. He just does it quietly. Amen. Any word from anybody before we dismiss this morning? Sure love you. Appreciate you. Be in prayer for those around you. Everybody's going through something. And folks need need prayer. Pray for the preachers around this country. I can tell you, out of the handful that I talk to on a regular basis, they get really discouraged. They, they Most of them feel like they ain't got a friend in the world, and they feel like nobody listens. So I'm telling you, I'm thankful for you because I know you listen, and I know you care. But there's so many preachers out there that got churches sit there and looks at their clock, looks at their watch, and just ready to get out of there. And uh, you know, it's it's discouraging. So thank you for being an attentive bunch. I appreciate you. Love you. Have a good day. And uh, let's let's be back tonight, six o'clock. I got a good message tonight. God give me. I'm making a name for you. So make the night six, and I appreciate it for you. Amen. All right. Any word for this?